someone to, to share with you today. Just one of our own, good old boy. But Jeremiah Ariola and his family. How many years now, Christian? Almost 10. Um, did the journey of, you know, coming with his wife every now and then. and uh, Just a good old boy, but not a godly boy. And God got a hold of his life this last year. And salvation burst in his heart. He was recreated. And I had the opportunity to uh, listen to him get his testimony together for another group. Now, I'm telling you, I want to look in the eye. You know I don't do this. I'm telling you. I was blown away at the humility of heart, the ease in which he told his story, but of the grace of God. It reminds me that this is why we do what we do. This is why we teach the children. This is why we train up the disciples. This is why the local church is the hope of the world because people hear the gospel and then they're trained. And I asked him, uh, and he's, if you know him, you're going to laugh at this. He's not the guy that, hey, pastor, can I talk on Sunday? <laughs> not happening. And so I said, man, would you ever give your testimony? And he goes, because he don't want to hurt his pastor's feelings. He loves his pastor. I'll pray about it. You know how I'll pray about it. And so I asked him again and he said, I will. I, I believe it's the Lord's desire. So if you came today visiting or came for graduation or uh, came uh, for any other reason, I want you to know the Lord knew you'd be here today. And there's something more important than Pastor John's sermon today. There's this life that he wants to share with you. And so I want to just tell him now, Jeremiah, don't be nervous. If you were giving a sermon, that'd be nervous. But talking to us about the Lord, you can do it. Y'all bless my brother as he comes this morning. Wow, we got a lot of people here. I never realized our church was this big. Well, a little nervous, but I think I'll get through this. And it, my last name, just for the record, it's like a pirate, Ariola. Hey, Pastor John, is it? You told me I could back out any time. Is it too late? Okay. Well, my name is Jeremiah Ariola. I uh, want to talk to you a little bit about what God has done for me and what the church has done for me and my wife and family. If I tear up, sorry guys, but it's from the heart. So it is plain to see. And I think we would all agree that the world is broken. A place of blindness, bondage, depravity, and hopelessness. I know this first person as a child being harmed by it and as an adult contributing to its decay. At a very young age, my innocence was taken from me by my uncle. 
something that would take years to process and later the power of God to heal. For the next eight months of my life was a blur. I have no real memories of that time. Within the same time frame, my daddy left us. He left me. Swapping out his family <coughs> for his freedom, drugs, alcohol, and sex. His departure on top of the crimes of my uncle bruised my heart so deeply that it was fertile ground for the roots of this world to dig in deep. By the age of 12, I had been brutally initiated into a gang and being on my own, I was finding my sense of family and role models in this shallow pool of hardened men. It was around this time that my mother remarried and it wasn't long before his true color showed. He was both verbally and physically abusive. As it escalated, I became older and at 15 I confronted him pinned him down and shoved a pistol down his throat. My, fin my finger quivered against the trigger and I had every intention of killing him. I didn't. I walked away and soon left home living on the streets. I was a boy in years but a man in pain and anger. Looking back, I always thought God saved that man's life that day. <clears throat> but now as a believer, I realized that it was not only him, but it was also my life that God was saving. That's right. Before I was saved, he was saving me. It wasn't long before I was selling drugs, a lot of drugs. I was quickly making more in a day than most adults make in a week. I was on top of the world, but that would soon come cr crashing down to earth. Every dealer knows not to get high on your own supply, <clears throat> but that's exactly what I did. When I tried a meth, I was hooked, and its tentacles went deep into my soul. As meth took over, my boys and I went from the being the most feared gang in the county to being the most strung out. We were no strangers to violence, both receiving and the giving of it. You would think that being stabbed at a gas station in another time Bullets whizzing by, missing only inches, would have woken me up. It didn't. Instead, it was, I was like a moth to the flame. I was attracted to it. I have more of my friends and family dead and in prison than I do finger and toes. There was much more to my life before Christ, but you get the picture. I was lost, so very lost. Like the sheep in the parable, Jesus told, I was lost and didn't know my way back, but I talked to God. Yeah, I prayed. I knew God was real and I knew I wasn't living right. I guess like the bleeding of the lost lamb, I was crying out to him. I was one of the 99. And don't lose sight of the fact that in this parable, it was not the sheep that found the shepherd but it was the shepherd that found the sheep. The mission statement of our home church is this, win the lost, disciple the found, <clears throat> mend the broken, and send the whole. It is God's people, whether they are gathered together or spread out in their everyday lives that reflect his image, 
share his truth, to carry his compassion and wield his power. <clears throat> One of my first encounters with God was at a local church. I had come to see some girls, but found my, myself stranded in big church. There was a guest minister that day, and as he preached, I sensed God. I, I felt him. The Bible states in the book of Jeremiah that it is, is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. Do you see the irony? Me, Jeremiah, was living that moment, the very words of the prophet Jeremiah. But God wasn't finished. Toward the end of the service, he called me out and asked if he could pray over me. When he did, I felt God's spirit like a tsunami wash over and over me. I stood in his presence, shaking, weeping, muttering, praying in a language I have never known. God had found my hiding place, and his banner over me was love. God is not limited, limited to the local body of believer, but he absolutely inhabits them, and he uses them as instruments of grace, warning, correction, and reconciliation. What if no one would have built and furnished that little church? What if there were no ministers or teachers? What if the congregation did not support and serve with their talents, resources, gifts, and abilities? That boy, this man, may have very well slipped through the cracks, but because they served God through a local church, that little boy, was so who so desperately needed God was given undeniable, undeniable proof that God was real and that he loved me. It starts with our families. It was in 2001 that God gave me my precious wife, Kristen. Months after meeting her, she became pregnant with our daughter, Trinity. When she was born, we knew I knew that there was no way I was going to raise my daughter in this place, this environment, and me connected to this lifestyle. So in January of 2002, with Georgia on our mind, we loaded up everything and moved here. Why Georgia? Let's just say I needed to get far as away from California as possible. But that's another long story we could share with some ribs someday. <laughs> It is one thing to start well, quite another to finish. While in Georgia, we seemingly got on track and felt like we would be able to go back home to California. Different, stronger, able to deal with the temptations and still benefit from family and friends and things we found familiar. Boy, were we wrong. I fell back into my old sins gang violence, meth, etc. My wife left me and it was the shock of losing my wife and family that pushed me to make the final turn from that old life. And by the grace of God, this last month, it was 14 years since I used meth. The local church is a place where my heart is addressed. 
The local church is a place where my heart is priority. The local church is a place where my heart is exposed. The local church is a place where my heart can be healed. The local church is a place where grace is found and distributed throughout the believers who love and serve God together. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2 that Satan can get an advantage over us if if we are not aware of his tactics. And one of his favorite tactics, tactics is subtle, but so very effective, and that's busyness. After moving back to Georgia again, I began to lose myself in my work. In a strange way, I had substituted the thrill of easy money selling drugs with good money being made by hard work and long hours. At one point, I had worked five months straight with not one day off, not one. Not one day set aside for worship. Not one day set aside for my family. Not one day set aside for myself and not one day set aside for my wife. The result of this frantic pace was that I began to bounce personal checks, not the kind at the bank, but the kind in your soul. Paying out what I did not have, anything I gave to my kids, my wife, my Lord, or myself came from a place of emptiness. I was giving what I did not have. And just as it is with our banks, there are fees and penalties. And before long, I was overdrawn in every way. Worn out physically and emotionally, my whole life was withering away before my eyes, especially my relationship with my wife. I wasn't loving her. I wasn't serving her. I wasn't appreciating her. I wasn't affectionate to her. The Bible tells the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her as church gave himself, as as Christ gave himself for the church. But because I was not in my word and I was not sitting under anointed teachings and preachings, because I was not consistent fellowship with other believers, that I found myself separated from the life, light, truth, encouragement, and accountability of fellow believers that could have prevented this spiral. When a man is tired, soul tired, he is not strong, strong enough to withstand the pressures and temptations of life. And can in this worn out stage look, look or be open to carnal pleasures to simply feel good and feel again. Even if it's just for a moment, even if it is forbidden, even if we know it will lead to destruction and unspeakable regret. It was during this time that I found myself tempted by a mutual friend, innocent flirting, unbridled thoughts, feeling alive around another woman who is not my wife. It has been said that you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest there. The Bible tells us to flee temptation, but I did not take this approach. 
I decided to just keep it around, feel the warmth of its flames without ever giving in. But then we kissed. It didn't go further than that, but the devil knew that he had me. It was only a matter of time before I would be back, back to that person, back to that feeling. Not because that was my plan, but because it was the one Satan had laid out for me. It never felt right, but it felt good to feel something. The next time it wasn't just a kiss. It led us to a place of nakedness. And in a flash of sanity, I put my clothes on and simply ran away. We had, we had, had not had sex, but we had shared each other. The third time I gave in to this baited tra- trap and cheated on my wife. But it did not leave me buzzing. It left me completely barren on the inside. With all honesty, it was the worst feeling a man with a conscience can bear. This guilt, this remorse, this regret, regret would now do a further number on me. Excuse me. The devil had separated me from God and his church through busyness. And now he had separated me from my wife and my heart through unspeakable guilt and shame. We were together, but there was a tangible wall between us that neither could cross over. She knew I had cheated, but I never admitted it. Never repented, never forgiven. Eventually, I stopped going to church altogether. This was part of the devil's end game. Divide, conquer, and destroy. So I had developed a coping mechanism, my new normal. Work hard, work often, and keep your distance. Make it to the weekend. Reboot and do the same thing again week after week, month after month, year after year. My wife did not have proof of this affair, but she felt the fallout from it. She felt the distance, the isolation, the separation, and neglect that came from my empty soul. She too fell in the trap of living in such a way that you are giving out more than you are taking in, and her guard began to drop. Let me tell you about my wife and her walk with the Lord. My wife loves the Lord with her whole heart, passionately and unashamedly. I admired this so much about her, but never chose it for myself. Having said all of this, she was growing tired, faithfully standing in the gap for me, praying for me, standing beside me and hoping, but seemingly it was all for nothing. Her husband had become a corpse, and her faith began to fail. Over time, I could see the erosion that these years had brought upon her. The washing away of passion, washing away of joy, 
washing away of consecration and the darkening of her countenance as she began to backslide in her own relationship with God. This continued for a while and she began acting strangely. In the same way that I knew I was not okay, I knew something was wrong. As I watched her, it was if I was seeing a mirror image of how a guilty person acts, interacts, and behaves around those who live with them. Before long, my wife, who had been sober for seven years, began drinking again. This may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was the very opposite of who she truly was and, who, and what she believed. Then I began to find seductive, seductive pictures of her on her phone, but I never received them. This, among other things, led to full suspicion about her. Where was she going? Who was she with? Who was that that just called? Who was this private number? Knowing something was going on, I privately downloaded software to her phone so I could keep tabs and have details of any interaction or illicit behavior she may be having with someone else. It wasn't long before I intercepted illicit pictures being sent to a guy in London, England. I was relieved that he was so far away, but I was just as hurt as much as he lived next door. We would eventually patch things up, but I used the word patch very loosely. Kind of like patching a leaking boat with duct tape, or maybe more like scotch tape. But you get the picture. It wasn't the same and it wasn't working. But the truth is, I was still way more bothered by my unfaithfulness than hers. Kind of like I deserve this. It was payback for my sins against God, her, and my family. And just like the Bible says, in sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I was dead, she was dead, and it seemed we were dead. After months of distance, perpetual arguments, her increased drinking, we could see no other path except separation and then divorce. So I left the house, my wife, my babies, and my home. I thought this would take the pressure off that I could ease into single life and start over again. It was in this separation that something very unexpected happened. Something welled up inside of me. I I now know it was the Holy Spirit that made me want to fight. To fight for my wife, my babies, and for the life that I know God had intended for me. It was around this time my pastor called to check on me and invited me to come see him at church. As I poured my heart out to him, I shared with him how bad it had gotten. My wife had completely shut down and completely shut me out. She was having no communication from me or with me. My pastor asked if I would give him permission to call her, and I did. We met with him, and he being part of the local church, began to turn the lights on. 
asking direct questions, making spirit, scriptural application, encouraging us both to turn back to God wholeheartedly, and then back to one another day by day. We agreed to reconcile. God in one moment had turned the tables on the devil and covered us with his grace. Pastor left the room and as we held each other in our arms and wept. When he came back, we prayed out loud for one another and we began our journey again out of darkness into light, out of bondage into freedom, out of death into life but these changes these steps require humility of heart courage and strength it was during this time that I was invited to come to a trustees it wasn't the first time but it was the perfect time the farthest thing from my mind became one of the dearest things to my heart One of the things I wanted least showed it itself to be on the things I needed most. Tresdius, three days. Three days alone with God, alone with my thoughts and the time to let all the sediment of my life's life stirred by many bad choices settle to the ground so I could see things clearly as they really are. I don't like crowds. I'm quiet and reserved, as you can tell. But I quickly learned that God didn't bring me here to change my personality, but he brought me here to change my heart. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, he began to peel back the many layers that covered my eyes and heart, and I began to change. I began to weep again, but in a beautiful way. I begin to feel again, but in a deeper way. I begin to pray again, but in a purer way. I begin to connect with God in a way that I had never experienced to this point. Simply, purely, authentically, and honestly. I left the weekend a new man and knew what I had to do. I came home to my family waiting for me at the door. And when I walked in, and when I walked in, they of course were glad I was home, but they were looking at me strangely, intently. Then one of my children asked me, "What happened to you?" <laughs> of course, that would be Josiah. I said, "What do you mean?" And they said, "You look different. You sound different. We have never seen you like this." Monday was magical in every way. Tuesday was the same. It was as if the healing waters were pouring from me from from his very throne into our home. It was Wednesday night that I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to talk to my wife. The night before her trestious weekend started, I was going to tell her of my sin. It was the greatest release and relief in my life that I had ever felt, but it came at a cost. It hurt my wife. It hurt her. It hurt her to hear it and to know it, 
but she chose to forgive me. I didn't deserve it, but she forgave me anyway. The next morning came and my wife was acting very quiet. I began to wonder if she was really able to forgive me or, or was it going to be a long struggle for her? But it was not unforgiveness, but instead she had sins of her own she needed to confess. Seeing the joy of my repentance, she, re she had admitted to me that she too had been unfaithful many, many years ago. You're probably thinking that this burst the bubble of our newfound beginning. But in fact, it released just the opposite. After she told me I could not contain my love for her, smiling ear to ear, telling her joyfully that I forgive you. You see, because I had grace, I could now give grace. Because I had received forgiveness, I could give forgiveness. I was not bouncing checks anymore. I simply looked into my account, the one God had poured into during my trustiest weekend, and there was more than enough to cover her sin. Her weekend was equally amazing, and I couldn't wait for her to come home. She too felt great relief and release. God had given us back to each other, not perfect, but together. And for the first time in our life together, we were walking with the Lord at the same time. I see so many changes in how I see God, myself, and others, but especially in how I see the local church. It is more than four walls and a roof. It is more than a place we check into once a week like robots. God doesn't make robots. He makes sons and daughters. And the Bible teaches us in 1 John Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Not tomorrow, not later, not maybe, but now. Who are we? We who are born again are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and he in the truest sense of the word, God our Father. In closing, I want to tell you that Christ is centerpiece of me and my family's life, and the local church is the most consistent expression of our faith. We worship here, we serve here, we give here, and we grow here. It is there, here, that we share our life and our testimony with others, and they share the same with us. With integrity, I can tell you that I would not have made it. My marriage would not have made it, and my family would not have made it if it, weren't, if it were not for the influence and impact of other believers in my life. 
for the first time in my life, I feel like a true brother to other Christians. I'm eager to love them, eager to serve them, eager to give to them without limitations. And in a small way, that's what I am doing today. Some people find speaking in public easy or no big deal, not so with me. I have many sleepless nights preparing this simple talk for you. nervousness, anxiety, fear, and dread. I'm not saying this to sound like a martyr or for you to think well of me. I am telling you this so you will know how much I love you. If my story can help just one of you today, these months of uneasiness is worth every hour. You are valuable to God and me. I want you to look at me, look closely. No one is so far gone that God cannot reach them and no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Think of my story and understand that every local church is filled with people like me and like you. Stories of failure, lostness, and rescue. Stories of comebacks and come homes. Stories of grace reaching those seemingly out of reach. And that same grace doing marvelous, wonderful, glorious things in their lives. And then through their lives. And if God was so willing and able to do this for me, it makes me wonder what his plans and intentions are for you. This, <laughs> this much I know, we all have a front row seat to find out. And it is with great joy to say from this side of the fence, from this side of forgiveness, from this side of freedom, from this side of full surrender that my name is Jeremiah Ariola. my wife Kristen myself and my precious babies worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together here at Christ Chapel in Macon, Georgia thank you before we dismiss. Y'all be seated. Told you. Told you. Praise the Lord. Just a couple weeks after this change, I asked a big favor of him. We were 
scurrying vans to and from the campground and I was supposed to be there and the van didn't make it and I called Jeremiah and I said, can you help me, buddy? He's like, I got your back, pastor. So that identification, and it's this, this is not a Christ Chapel commercial. This is a body of Jesus Christ commercial. Now, this is what I ask because I love them. First of all, I know what a gift it is to tell your story from here because that's what people remember. And you loved us today enough to be transparent. Now, two things. And if you agree with this, I want you to echo this. Two things. We receive your gift of letting us know details that you didn't have to fully. And we will not articulate those details with anybody else. Is that true this morning? I love it when someone gives their testimony. It's like this. If someone has made it, then we no longer have the excuse in that area not to make it. That's the, it's like, well, someone had the same cards dealt to them and built a life out of it. And I want to say, and first of all, how proud I am of you as a woman of faith. She worshiped alone for years and now she's like, Jeremiah, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and I want you, I know you wouldn't mind. I want you to pray over our church and for any families uh, because more struggle than you know and more quiet about it. But the same grace that hit your life. And I want you to take your time and pray over us. Okay? I know you're a prayer. Prayer works, doesn't it, darling? Yes, it does. Cut. Father God, you are so, so good to us. Your faithfulness is evident, not just in our lives, but everywhere. Lord God, I pray today that this word, not Jeremiah's words, Lord God, but your truth, your power, your presence, your spirit, Lord God, would wash over every person in this room. Lord God, that it would change lives, that it would turn people back to you, that it would bring people home, Lord God, but that it would also restore hope and restore faith, Lord God, in those places that are dead and cold and dark, Lord God, nothing is too dark, nothing's too far, nothing is too lost for you, Lord God, and we know this. I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen those that are standing in the gap today, Lord God, but also that you would change hearts. Father, we love you so much. We are so grateful for your power and your presence today, Lord God. And we pray that everything we do and say, Lord God, brings you all the glory you so righteously deserve. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The last thing before we go home, would you join me as I pray for them? For this gift you gave us today, I pray that God would pour upon you unmistakable reward in this life and in the one to come. I pray for those days when the burnover field smoke 
comes back and says, what about, what about, what about? That you look at one another and declare, it's not about what's in my past. Look at what the Lord has done. And that you'd continue to walk in that grace. I thank you for your life and ministry. And Jeremiah, I bless you as the leader and priest of your home. That you would hunger and thirst after righteousness, God's word. And that you would be the one to stand and say in front of your children, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. Bless them today, O Lord, with your grace. And thank you for today, a day we will never forget. Today is a day we will never forget. For the glory of the Lamb, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you celebrate the Lord this morning with me? Yes! Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.